Hey, hey, homebodies, what's happening? It's your girl, Rachel Presser, the Toad Lady, coming at you live from New York. And today, we're going to be talking about the French furniture chain Roche Beaubois. Or, God, I'm probably butchering that pronunciation. I'm sorry. I have no idea how I actually pronounce it. It's kind of sad given that, what, well, I took French for like six years between middle and high school. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I decided to write an article all about, um, the strange and funky designs that caught my eye at Roche Bobois when, yeah, I just happened to see it like when I'm coming, you know, when I'm coming home from the office or medical appointments and I walk past it on the way to my bus constantly. Um, yeah, Madison Avenue, just like many other parts of the city, is looking kind of blagant these days. Um, you know, maybe not as to the same horrible extent as some other blocks like Albardio uptown. But it's, yeah, it's starting to get a little raised as you know, only, like, big chains could afford the rent. Because that's the thing. I actually thought that Roche Babois was, like, some kind of, like, independent designer, you know, that, like, I don't know, catered to the wealthy elite of the city, like, designed the inside of yachts or something or filled the rooms of those, yeah, those eight-bedroom luxury apartments that no one actually fucking lives in. Um... You know, whatever, um, whatever keeps an independent artist in business. And, you know, so I happened, yeah, to, like, see this really interesting display of, you know, these chairs that did not look practical at all. But it, just, but it looked like the kind of cool thing I probably, you know, I probably would have seen on the cover of, of a magazine, like, back in the 90s. Or probably saw, like, you know, would, would become video game art. And, yeah, and then I was... Kind of disappointed to discover that no, Roche Bobois was not an independent designer, but actually a small French chain. Um, and so it's not as ubiquitous you know, as IKEA or West Elm, but you know, yeah, they're they still made their mark and you know have this uh, niche following, um, you know, among people who dig fine furniture. So I did so. So I did what I usually do and researched the history of the brand and tried to, you know, look at how they you know, how they rose to prominence and secured you know their position as this yeah like really like upscale furniture designer that people still flock to and adore and found some pretty interesting stuff in the process um because like i said like those designs are extremely eye-catching and you know um I did. I have never actually walked into the store yet at the at the as of the time of this recording um I don't know, those uh, those sofas probably cost like eight months of condo charges to me, so I haven't walked in and checked it out. Maybe I will someday. Um, so I can't really attest to whether they're comfortable and functional or not. But that's the thing, like function was actually a very big and important part of French aesthetic at a certain point in time, namely after... Um, you know, after World War II, when France was rebuilding after the war. Because um, it was about, yeah, that's the thing, Roche Bobois was actually about a decade in the making um, after the war ended. Um, when Philippe and Francois Roche, um, you know, like, they decided to work together with um, a couple other businessmen, Jean-Claude and, and Patrick um, Chouchon. God, I'm sorry, if I'm butchering these names, whatever, let me know. Um, they decided to work together, um, you know, to start furniture business. They wanted to import Scandinavian furniture and, you know, to Paris. And, and so, you know, the, Ro so, so the Roche brothers, you know, yeah, they were like pretty well off businessmen, you know, so their father was able, you know, to 
buy them like a really prominent shop actually used to be a theater um in 1950 and built two stores around it and then the Chan brothers also had their own furniture store called Obobois, which means of the beautiful wood so they just they turn it into Beaubois to you know compress it a little bit and so they really liked you know yeah all like the really like sharp clean lines that you saw in Scandinavian designs, um, you know, they really, they really dug that aesthetic, and they wanted to bring that to France. And so they, they started with furniture, and then they began, you know, to bring over like other, like the other types of home goods. Yeah, like that. You'll, hey, you'll see a IKEA crate and barrel, and so on. Like, you know, like forks and spoons, you know, table linens, um, pots and pans, uh, that kind of thing. And so they, so they were looking to work, you know, with, with Swedish and Danish designers and bring these items um into paris and you know so they were looking at practicality for the most part um because france was having you know something of a housing crisis you know they have really grievous losses after world war ii you know it was just a really really like miserable time um you know because like the economy was basically completely cratered after the war um, you know, like, people just, like, didn't have the basics if, you know, if their homes had been plastered apart, you know, like, no one had just, like, simple, you know, simple, sturdy kitchen tables to go eat at, you know, a regular couch you could just, you know, sit down on when you got home from work, and, you know, yeah, like I said, like, thousands of people died, um, got displaced, lost their homes, so people just wanted stability, and, you know, and so, and so, you know, the French government, yeah, like, you know, passed these, like, very, very bold and, um, you know, like, aspirational, like, you know, it's not really a housing guarantee, per se, which we should have, but they wanted to, yeah, like, you know, they made housing a very, very big priority. Um, you know, they wanted to build, you know, like, thousands of new apartments, like, every month. Um, like, as I mentioned in the article, yeah, yeah their goal was to create... 20,000 apartments per month. Like, I mean, that that's just mind-blowing, especially when you think about, you know, how quickly things got built in the 40s and, and 50s. And, yeah, just thinking about, like, my own building. There's, there's, there's roughly 75 apartments in the building that I live in. There was about 60 in the building I, I lived in 10 years before this one. And... Yeah, it's just mind-boggling to think about 20,000 of those to be built every month. Every month. I mean, granted, it's not just, you know, confined to one city. I mean, like, France is maybe about the size of Texas, give or take, in, you know, in terms of landmass. So, th- yeah, so, I mean, when you think about, like, building in a place the size of Texas, get 20,000 apartments a month all over Texas. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't sound, it still sounds ambitious, but not as wild. Yeah. But, um, anyway, <laughs> um, so post-war life, you know, was just like, yeah, it was, it prioritized, you know, like, simplicity, you know, you know utilitarianism, um, it wasn't really about, um, you know, make, making it beautiful, at least not right now, it's like, yo, hey, like, you want to have stability, you want to have a place to live, you want to have some basic furniture in your new place and not have to worry about buying this stuff, you know, and so, yeah, because the demand was out the wazoo, you know, for, like, yeah, for tables, chairs, um, really basic, you know, like, home goods and home furnishings. You know, there was this, like, massive demand for it now because, 
Yeah, all that like you know, like one of a kind, you know, like artisan type of furniture that was um yeah, like that came from the old world. Um if it didn't get completely destroyed in the war, well it wasn't going like to fit in you know in these new tiny apartments. Um, you know, so furniture manufacturers knew they had to change the game and, you know, meet this like demand, you know, in terms of both like amount, you know, like the thousands of these thousands of apartments that need to be furnished now, but also still, yeah, like take it a step beyond to be like, hey, you can have both sturdiness and have beauty. And yeah, and so, because that's, guys, that's the thing. So, so with where like Roche Beaubois comes in along with other French designers, you know, they they really wanted to like use this opportunity, you know, to to be creative and you know, take part in this, like, new economic boom time that was about to come. And, um, yeah, so they started, um, yeah, like, coming up with all these, like, really fantastical new designs that were both, like, sturdy, but also beautiful, and had had this really unique touch to them. And and so what Roche-Beaubois did that was, like, really, um, you know, like, re- like, revolutionary at the time was that, um, it was actually like, meant to act as a franchise of sorts, um, which, yeah, like, nowadays we don't really think anything much about, you know, franchises, you know, they're, they're everywhere from, like, food service, you know, like, frozen yogurt and, like, burrito shops, you know, and, um, then you have, yeah, like, cleaning services, like, 1-800-GOT-JUNK or, like, Rogo-Ruger, you know, the plumber, like, you have, like, franchises like that these days, um, but it was actually quite revolutionary to have one for, like, really upscale, designer furniture and so yeah it was um and france of course was the only nation torn apart by the war so they really had this interesting opportunity and so so then like once like the 70s rolled around like they now had their signature products like just like how there was yeah like chanel number five there was now the mahjong sofa um and so this you know so like this that's the thing the sofa was really meant to like take you know like affordable luxury furnishings to this whole new level. Um, you know, so this, so they worked with this noted Ger- German furniture designer, Hans Holtfer, um, who, you know, who, like, put this, who put this Mahjong design together that was, like, pretty much, like, like meant to um, emphasize that, hey, like, we live in a time where you can have, you know, the luxury to engage in leisure, and you want to make your home, you know, this kind of sanctuary, and, you know, yeah, just, like, it had this built-in armrest to just prop up your elbow, and people loved it, you know, people just, like, went hog-wild for it. It still remains one of the company's biggest sellers to this day, and so, um, yeah, so Roche Beaubois started to work with other really prominent designers around the world, whether they were architects, furniture designers, fashion designers. And so that's part of how, like, they, you know, like, held up throughout the 80s and 90s and then still continue to, you know, to, like, have such a wide presence today because, yeah, you know, they, they just collaborate with so much talent and, like, bring all of their followings together. And, um... You know they want. They also wanted to like really like keep that um, that aesthetic, like uniquely French. You know, still taking from their roots as you know, yeah, as like these post-war luminaries. Um, 
you know, and, like, today, like, they now have over, like, 250 stores and showrooms around the world, and they even have, um, and that's the thing, they even have, actually, like, the showroom, um, that, uh, people can, you know, it's, like, local designers and artisans, um, can, you know, in Monaco can actually show their work, so... They're not just, you know, giving that opportunity, you know, to, like, established, you know, designers, like the guy who made the Mahjong sofa, but they're also, yeah, like, looking to help, um, you know, small designers and creators get their name out there, which is really awesome, and what more brands should, should do that, um, you know, so, so yeah, so it's pretty interesting to see, you know, like, what else, um, they're gonna come up with, and who knows, maybe, hey, um, let us know if you want me to actually go into the store sometime and go check out some of that trippy furniture. Maybe I'll talk about it. I will wax poetically about some really trippiest chair that only um, Hideo Kojima could dream up after a few bonk hits. And who knows? Who knows? I've, I've probably spent my money on more batshit crazy things. So yeah, if you want to see more series about this, more about... The context of of history and how we use um, our homes and the things in them. Check out more of my work at homestratosphere.com. Be sure to um, follow us at Homestratos on Twitter, and I will catch you again next time.